Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for red hot truth injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A, this is Universe B calling, and we're gonna tear you a new one. You mind? Hello and welcome back to Unaffiliated Mind Games, or You Mind. I'm your host, Napoleon Doom. Adam won't be joining us for the first part of this interview, as he has a headache. Again. At any rate, I hope you'll join me in welcoming Dr. Dmitry Kosoretov to the studio. Happy to be here, Napoleon. Continuing on our theme of Russia's role in world politics, Dr. Kosoretov has written a book entitled Oracle Behind the Iron Curtain, and, uh, wow, uh, there's a lot to unpackage here. Now, Dr. Kosoretov. Please, call me Dimi. Dimi. Like in The Exorcist? Pardon? Dimi. Sure, why not? Ah, well, you make what some might call rather wild assertions in this book, if I may be so bold. Wild? Not at all. The book largely focuses on the Russian psychotronics program. Explain what that is for our listeners. Certainly. Starting somewhere between 1915 and 1917, the Russian government began research into esoteric weaponry. Like astral projection, psychic warfare? Among other things, yes. Give us some examples. Well, I worked closely in collaboration with Serge Kernbach, a German scientist who was intimately involved in uncovering these affairs. He was able to provide documentation and plans for a machine that functioned, well, something like a battery, but it could recharge itself using energetic frequencies from surrounding sources. These documents are now declassified, as you'll see in the book, and prove all of it. So, it draws energy from the air, something like Wilhelm Reich's proposed organ energy accumulator. Yes. Similar in theory, but the German research into this was borrowed heavily from the Russian scientists during their brief alliance in World War II. So, how did the Russians develop this technology? You see, this is where things get interesting. The research was inspired by visitations to the defunct royal family by transdimensional beings. Transdimensional? So... Of all places, why come to this dimension? I mean, what makes this world such a garden spot? We do. Humans. These beings became aware of our presence in the universe because some people can slip through the dimensional planes in altered states meditation, dreams, drug-induced episodes, and the like. And what? They're lonely? No, nothing like that. The beings aren't physical. 
they don't experience emotions in that way. Not in that form, anyway. Their interest is in manipulating human breeding to create puppet bodies they can incarnate into. What for? As I said, they don't have emotions as we understand them, but they love indulging in ours. They feed off of our spiritual energies, our vital impetus, if you will. They call them ethers. The Chinese call it qi. In other cultures, it has names like... Oh, right, right. <laughs> so they're the batteries collecting energy. Correct. And what? They're just slaughtering humans left and right for their ether? Well, no. It's not a slaughter so much as a harvest. You don't cut down an apple tree to get its apples now, do you? No. And so long as a person is left living, their ethers eventually replenish. But they could drain someone completely if they wanted to. I mean, that seems the safest way to go. You wouldn't want word to get out. It would defeat the purpose for the reasons I've already stated. I see, I see. Um, okay, well, any side effects from ether drain that we should be aware of? Normally, those who've been selected on will be plagued by persistent hallucinations, excruciating headaches, lapses in memory. Plagued? But you said they replenish. Hmm. Well, these beings develop a taste for certain people in particular. Sometimes stalking the same prey continuously over the course of a lifetime. And what does this stalking entail? Our minds are open books to them and they can manipulate everything we see to extract just the right response. If they want to feast on fear, they search through our heads and show us what terrifies us the most. Love? They have us act out our most intimate and cherished relations before them. So, they like to watch? Hmm, well, yes. Okay, here's what I don't understand. You see, why not just stick to giving us nightmares and wet dreams? Uh, well... Well, what I mean is, why cross over into this dimension? They can't hold us in the astral realm we merely flit through. They want to completely dominate our kind, farm us, and they do just that. They keep vassal human families, families with suitable genetics for their uses. They keep these humans like cattle, psychically influencing their breeding relationships with others to maintain the viability of the line. In return, they reward their livestock with power, wealth, all the things man desires. The Russian royal family was one of these vassals. So, if these creatures are so powerful, explain hemophilia. The bloodline began to break down. Too much into breeding. Many dynastic lines claim to have divine lineage and interbreed to preserve the purity. People mistake these transdimensional beings for gods. I see. So, why haven't all these vassal lines died out? It sounds like a system doomed for failure. Far from it. There are rare beings born from these couplings every so many generations. A race of imperfect immortals that walk among us and retain all the psychic hunger of their interdimensional forefathers.
You said imperfect. Ah, yes. How exactly? They live forever, ageless but flawed. Strange. Strange? Well, in appearance, for one. There's something off about them. Not always, but oftentimes. They're... Mm. Do you know the word monitious? No, but go on. Well, they're also incapable of processing food in the way we humans can. They feed psychically. They have no need for bodily nourishment. But they still harbor all the human desires. They're gluttonous, hedonistic things. Really? Oh, yes, yes, yes. They might set their mind up to eat nothing but puddings by the bowlful, or take a different woman to bed every night, in some cases every hour. I might do that too if I thought I could get away with it. Ah, but you see, they're limited by the mechanisms of their human brain. They're still flesh creatures after all, and their minds begin to fail them after a time. How long is a time? It's different for everyone, I suppose. So what, they go crazy? No, nothing like that. More like senility. They begin to lose their memories one by one until they've all but completely forgotten themselves. Amnesia? Exactly. They're locked in an undying body with no comprehension of a self, no understanding of the world around them. Those of their race that are still in their cognizant phase devote themselves to finding those near the end of their remembrance. It's a struggle sometimes, as the first memory to fade is often of what they in reality are, and they fight you all the way. One moment, they seem as though they are fully lucid. Others, they're a stranger. The cognizant assist in killing off their kin's old persona and placing their wayward siblings into new lives, rehabilitating them, and slowly these poor derelicts begin life anew as someone else entirely. Derelicts? That's what you call them? Yes, da. <sighs> like an abandoned ship adrift at sea? Exactly. It's not a terribly flattering term, is it? Well, there's only you and me here. No derelicts for us to worry over insulting. No, I suppose not. Ah, oh, don't feel sorry for them. They settle happily into their new lives and go right back to feeding on ethers. <laughs> I, I just don't... It just doesn't seem fair. They lose everything, as if they never even existed. There's no need to get so sentimental. I just don't understand. How is it fair? Because humans need them. These beings can use the energy they harvest and redirect it into healing the injured and infirmed. It's symbiosis. Humans are our flock, after all, and we must tend to them. That's what I imagine they'd say, anyway. I'm quite certain human life wouldn't have evolved to the heights we now enjoy if they hadn't been so. <sighs> and, and you believe some very famous historical figures have been uh, derelicts? 
Yes. Elvis Presley, Jesus Christ. Well, let's not get too deep into that one. All right. Another example. I believe Grigory Rasputin was one of these derelicts. <sighs> uh, imperfect immortals sent to try and heal the hemophiliac Prince Alexei with his gifts. But Rasputin's dead. Doesn't that kind of shoot a hole in your theory? He is believed to be dead. If you remember, his assassination did not go to plan. Right, right. He was stabbed in the stomach by a peasant woman in 1914. But recovered. Two years later, he was fed tea cakes spiked with cyanide by Prince Felix Yusupov in a more organized assassination attempt. And he washed him down with three glasses of wine, all poisoned. When that didn't do the job, Yusupov shot him in the chest. Correct. And when he went to collect the body come morning, Rasputin was well enough to attack him, chase him up the stairs, and out into the courtyard. Till he was shot in the forehead by co-conspirator and politician Vladimir Borishkevich. <sighs> and thrown off the Petrovsky Bridge. Just so. But they did an autopsy. There was water in his lungs. He drowned in the Malaya Nevka River. An urban legend. No water was found in his lungs, and this autopsy report was later lost. Or perhaps stolen to conceal the fact that Grigor wasn't dead at all. I kind of hope he was, seeing as he was cremated. Well, somebody was. You forget, his actual funeral was only attended by the royal family and a handful of intimates. Not even his wife and children were allowed. The alleged body was exhumed and burned by a hand-selected group of soldiers. So Rasputin still walks among us, but he doesn't remember being Rasputin. Undoubtedly. <laughs> Well, while you're here, I'm curious to hear your opinions on the current political landscape. Um, I'm not sure I follow. Well, what are your opinions on Russian collusion in the 2016 elections? I don't feel that's something I'd be comfortable discussing here. No? I mean, after all this talk about senile immortals and human farms you just dropped on us, that's too hard-hitting a question for you? I thank you for your time, but I'm afraid I have a prior engagement. Uh, good day to you. Well, all right then. Thank you, Doctor. <laughs> oh, it uh, looks like Adam's on his way in. Headache must have cleared. We'll be right back with you with more from the unaffiliated after the break. Are you sick and tired of the government elites and their supposed scientists telling you what the truth is? Science? More like alliance? Keep on listening to Unaffiliated Mind Games or you mind to hear the real truth. Unfiltered and unaffiliated. Oh yeah! And we are back. Uh, Adam is rejoining me in the studio, and we're going to be talking just a little bit here about uh, Russia's involvement in international politics. Adam? 
What's really scary about the Russian situation is that we know so little. I mean, the information just isn't there. And in and of itself, that's suspicious. It's just a war of obfuscation, you know? Indeed, Adam. We're coming up on intermission here, but before we go, I'd like to leave you with this quote by Leo Tolstoy to mull over. In all history, there has been no war which was not hatched by the governments, the governments alone. Independent of the interests of the people to whom the war is always pernicious, even when successful. Right. Yeah, thanks for that nap. And we're out. If you love the hard-hitting journalism you've come to expect from us here at UMind, then I invite you to continue your search to uncover the truth with the Lost Bread graphic novel series. What's a graphic novel, you may ask? <laughs> Why, that's a comic book to you and me. We know that our listeners aren't a bunch of liberal college boys happy to spend all day with their nose shoved in a book because teachers said so. No, you minders are a special breed whose high-caliber brains require the immersion of all the senses. And Lost Bread is the only book that can do that for you. Journey into a world without limitations, where dreams become reality, and the sweaty masturbatory fantasies of your teen years are fantasies no more. For more info, check out www.lostbreadcomic.com and order your copy today. Welcome back, everybody. We are continuing our discussion of the Russian involvement in the international politics this evening, and it looks like we have a caller on the line. Hello, caller. You are on the air. Adam, it's me, Cyrus. Oh, hey, Cy. Uh, well, well, it's, it's been a while. You hit the nail right on the head with that. The war of obfuscation, buddy. The reason there's no information is because the Russians are psychically clouding people's minds. Fascinating. And how are they doing that exactly? Um, hypnotic suggestion and ringtones or some kind of convert technology? Vampire sleeper cells. Wow. Everyone, if you could just bear with us for one moment, we've got some small technical glitches that need to be attended to. Hello, you minders. If you're woke like me, then you've come to realize that every day the truth is under attack. We are engaged in a war not fought with bombs or bullets, but the suppression of rational ideas. It is for this reason that I hereby recruit you as my soldiers of certainty. Arm yourself with the most powerful weapon of all, knowledge, by picking up your copy of Lost Bread, a manifesto in comic book form. Visit lostbreadcomic.com to enlist by buying your copy today and help us slay the slander. That's www.lostbreadcomic.com. Join today. And we are back on the air, boys and girls. Uh, it seems we lost our collar there, unfortunately. Uh, now, what is it that we were talking about, Nap? Vampires. Right. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'd like to think that our caller was speaking more in a metaphorical sense about the potentially vampiric nature of a society unchecked. Yeah, sure. Um, whatever. To again quote Tolstoy. Oh. I sit on a man's back, choking him and making him carry me, and yet assure myself and others that I'm very sorry for him, 
and wished to ease his lot by any means possible, except by getting off his back. Russians are, of course, notoriously opposed to piggyback rides. Confucius said. Cyrus? No time for catching up right now, Adam. Shut down the equipment immediately. (laughs) Well, folks, I feel like this might be the perfect time to wrap things up and leave you with something to ponder till next week. Uh, Until then, I'm Adam. And I'm Napoleon. And that's... Cyrus? Cyrus?